Coming up today on NSN Daily, the Wolfpack basketball team beefs up their front court with a big man from Tulane joining the squad out of the portal. And a former Nevada big man appears to be on the move again. The latest on Warren Washington. Plus, the boys of summer are back this week at Greater Nevada Field. We'll chat with the skipper of the Reno Aces, Blake Lawley. Just bring that experience, that maturity to the room, and uh, just be a guy for them. And Nevada's secondary may be one of the deepest units on the team. Mike Stephenson introduces us to Trey Weed. That and more on NSN Daily, right now. And welcome inside our champion Chevrolet NSN studio. He's Chris Murray. I'm Alex Margulies. As we tease there at the open, uh, Nevada has landed Tylen Pope. He is a forward, uh, most recently at Tulane. Chris, and this is a guy Nevada has a little bit of familiarity with as they saw him down in that uh, Cayman Islands Classic. I know from talking to Jared Lucas when he was here uh, last week to make his announcement that he was coming back, that they uh, liked playing against Pope, and, and he seems like he is just that kind of you know, gritty kind of almost a little bit of that defensive minded kind of guy coming in that could really uh, make a big impact on this team. Yeah, I mean, he's very strong. Six foot six, Tulane listed him at 244 pounds. He is a very good defensive player. He was number one for the Green Wave in defensive rating. He was number four in offensive rating. Didn't have huge numbers, six and a half points per game, four and a half rebounds. But I think he's going to add that toughness to the front court. Going to be an undersized power forward. Now you look at what Nevada's done thus far. They lose Will Baker and Darian Williams, their two front court starters. They add Jariah Coleman, a junior college shot blocker, and then Tylen Pope here. So I would say, Will Baker and Darian Williams probably better overall players, mm -hmm. but very specific skill sets with the two guys they've added to replace them in terms of that defense, that toughness, that intensity, and we'll see if that leads to a little bit more tougher team, a little bit more, you know, they won a lot of games, 22, but sure. maybe a little bit more of an edge to get them up to that championship level because the backcourt remains very potent in terms of its scoring ability. I know they've kind of complemented those really talented guards mm -hmm. with a little bit more, I guess, intensity and fierceness up front. And I think that's where, I think if you talk to this team, talk to this coaching staff out of this year, obviously people are very happy with the way things went. I mean, you made it back to the tournament, but I think when you looked at this roster and there were going to be some areas of improvement, it was going to be in athleticism and in toughness and rim protection and that's not necessarily something you got from Darian Williams and from Will Baker, but it does appear like that is a clear upgrade in terms of the defensive side of things when you add in Coleman, the defensive player of the year at the school he was at, and then Pope, again, he's kind of that hustle uh, guy down low that is going to do a little bit of that gritty work, and I'm not sure in the absence of getting someone like Pope, Nevada necessarily had that guy that was going to go do that gritty work. Yeah, I mean, they've tried to get that guy before. They briefly had Trey Wade a couple of years ago from Wichita State. He ended up then transferring to Arkansas before playing for Nevada, and he was kind of that kind of glue player. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy who just does winning plays, and maybe he can get you a couple of bus baskets a game, but Nevada has not necessarily gone out to try and get stars out of the transfer portal. They've tried to get complementary pieces, specifically in the front court. And I think they're very happy with the two that they've been able to land. Now, these guys are probably not going to make an all-conference team. Maybe they make an all-conference defensive team. And I think, you know, if you're a fan, you want to go see, well, can you go get a guy who can give you mm -hmm. 15 points? But Nevada kind of already has those guys. So it is a uh, complementary piece. And I think Tylen Pope, with two years of eligibility here at Nevada, is someone who could push for a starting job. I think mm -hmm. you look at Jared Lucas, Keenan Blackshear, Trey Coleman, and KJ Himes, if he's healthy, those are your four starters. Yep. And I think your fifth starter is either going to be Hunter McIntosh if you're looking for shooting, Tylen Pope if you're looking for defense, 
or Nick Davidson if you're maybe looking for a little bit more prototypical size at power forward. So now they've got a few different mm -hmm. options depending upon who they're playing. And certainly they're chasing San Diego State, which is all about defense. And Nevada's sure. defense was solid last year, but certainly not to that San Diego State, Boise State level. And maybe these two players mm -hmm. get them up that level defensively. I think it's been pretty clear in the Mountain West. If you want to go and win a Mountain West championship right now in 2023, 2024, you're going to have to be a good defensive team. Yes. I think that's just bottom line. And that's where you've seen that separation with, with you know, San Diego State, Boise State. Those are really good defensive, nationally defensive good teams. Yeah. Uh, and it has shown their success the last couple of years in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, speaking of San Diego State, uh, some rumors kind of floating around right now. Mm -hmm. Chris, maybe a landing spot uh, for none other than Warren Washington, the former Nevada big man who, of course, transferred and played for Arizona State this past year. Nevada obviously ran into them uh, in Dayton. Uh, well, things circulated. Maybe this is a good landing spot for Washington at San Diego State. Uh, he was very close uh, maybe to go into San Diego State after he left Nevada. Uh, and uh, Nathan Mensa decided to come back, so that wasn't a good fit for them then. Mensa now has since, uh, you know, finished up his time at the program, and this seems like a pretty logical fit. He's from San Diego. He provides that defensive kind of first mentality in the middle. Uh, certainly, this would not be something Wolfpack fans would want to see uh, Warren Washington suiting up uh, for the Aztecs. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of the missing piece for them right now as I was kind of looking toward doing a Mountain West Power Rankings as we end the transfer portal kind of uh, situation. I probably would add Boise State ahead of San Diego State just because of that lack of defensive interior defense, which they have kind of been known for with mm -hmm. Nathan Mensa. If he does end up going to San Diego State, it would be his fourth college in six years. That's a lot of different stops, but he would give them that kind of one missing piece because you look at their starting five right now, it's very solid, but they don't necessarily have that shot blocking and that kind of impressive, imposing figure down low. Warren Washington is an athletic seven-footer, would give them exactly that. He's obviously from San Diego, so they're the hometown roots as well. He has put his name in the NBA draft. He's going to test the waters. I think the thought process is that's just to maybe get some feedback and see if he can get a couple of workouts and will eventually come back for a second senior season. If he does go to San Diego State, for me, they are now the clear number one in the Mountain West team to beat, followed by Boise State, followed by New Mexico, followed by Nevada. So it will be interesting to see where he lands. But I know the San Diego Union Tribune, Mark Ziegler, put out a story. Mm -hmm. And you only put out that story if you're getting some pretty good inklings from the coaching staff yep. that that fit's going to come together. Mark's pretty so, well connected with what's going yeah, on at San so Diego State. So I think State. that yep. probably is his final destination. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the current situation is with like waivers and getting to play immediately. Yeah. Uh, he was a grad transfer out of Nevada to Arizona State. Mm. Um, if the NCAA follows its rules, <laughs> he might not be eligible next year, but I'm sure he will be if he does go to San Diego State, and that's obviously a huge add. All right, so more to follow with that story for sure. Let's switch gears, get into a little NBA action, Chris, and some uh, pretty exciting games last night. We'll start off uh, in Sacramento, out to the Golden One Center. It was the Kings and the Warriors game five. The Warriors trying to make it three in a row, and how about Draymond Green in the third quarter. He would hit eight of his 10 shots in this one, poured in 21 points, added four steals and a block. A monster night for Draymond. Warriors getting some separation in the fourth quarter, but the Kings hanging around. How about the jam from Sabonis? The Kings make it a seven-point contest. A couple minutes later, Malik Monk dials one in from deep. Just one of five, though, for him, and the Kings would only shoot 29% from the outside. That would be a big problem for them. Fast forward couple minutes late and how about Steph Curry the touch then again it was Steph running circles around the Kings defense he had a game high 31 points Curry letting out a little bit of emotion at the end of this one again the Warriors were down 2-0 they have now won three consecutive games in this series yeah that's the emotion <laughs> from Steph 
The Warriors are a win away from knocking off the Kings as they get the dub on the road uh, in Sacramento, Chris. And that was the, the big problem for Golden State, winning on the road. Obviously, Darren Fox had that finger issue. He didn't have quite the explosive 30-plus, 30 30-high 30 30s point game. Uh, that the Kings have been used to for him, and, and now they're on the brink uh, of elimination. Yeah, I mean, that's what a champion does. They fall into a 2-0 hole, and they show that resiliency, that belief in themselves, and now they're in a situation where they can go back home and end this series up 3-2. It's been a very close series. The Kings had a big three-pointer with about 30 seconds to go in this game. They certainly, in game four, had a three-pointer to win it from Harrison Barnes. If those two fall, maybe they're up, or this series is even over. So I do think that the Kings are going to give a fight when they go back to San Francisco, but you got to give it up for Draymond Green. Obviously, yeah. he made a lot of headlines early earlier this series when he got ejected and then was suspended for the following game. But to come up with 20 plus points from that guy who's so good defensively, so good moving the ball is not something you expect. Mm. And they clearly, given how close this game was, needed all 20 of those points. So he really did show up in a big spot. Hard to believe. First time that Draymond has eclipsed 20 points since Christmas Day back in 2019. Pre-COVID. <laughs> when he had 21 points uh, or 20 plus in that game against the Houston Rockets. So uh, Draymond seriously uh, ready uh, in last one's uh, last night's game. All right, so out in Milwaukee, it was the Bucks and the Heat, and the Miami Heat have been a real thorn in the side of Giannis and the Bucks. They would trail by as many as 16 points, Chris, to open up the fourth quarter, but Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, watch how this one kind of culminated. There were some mistakes uh, late that left the door open for the Miami Heat, and uh, the Heat would take advantage. Butler would score at the buzzer, uh, DeForest overtime. Here was that play, the catch, and just gets it off in time. I mean, just a miraculous play yeah. uh, for the Heat. And they go on to down the Bucks, knocking off the number one seed with a win 128-126. And the legend of Jimmy Butler uh, continues uh -huh. to grow out there in Miami. Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal postseason player. He showed up really big in this game as well. I mean, Milwaukee kind of choked it away, to be quite honest. They made a ton of mistakes down the uh, stretch of this game. Giannis missed 13 free throw attempts, mm. just 10 of 23 from the strike. But you have to give a lot of credit to Miami for what they were able to accomplish. They are the sixth number eight seed to beat a number one in the first round. They're the first to do it four games to one. Yeah, Giannis missed a couple of games in this series, but when Giannis played, Miami was 3-0 and against mm. Milwaukee. So they proved to be the better team. They knocked them out of the playoffs a couple of years ago during that bubble tournament. They seem to be a thorn in the side of the Bucks, and Jimmy Butler outplayed Giannis, to be quite honest with that, and that shouldn't be the case given how talented Giannis is. So uh, a huge surprise. And you really have to credit the three-point shooting. I mean, you look at Miami, 27th out of 30 teams in three-point shooting in the regular season, 34%. In this series, they shoot 45%. Wow. Obviously, Caleb Martin was a big part of that, the local. And guy. they did that without Tyler Hero yeah. be, being injured. Uh, and talk about Caleb Martin. Uh, he did have a little bit of a reduced role uh, in that game five. Only had two points, uh, only took two shots from the field, only played 20 minutes. But this is somebody that had 10 or more points uh, in the first four games of the series, and he was critical uh, in their come-from-behind win on Game 4. I mean, what a series for Caleb Martin showing just why the Heat brought him back and gave him that multi-year deal in the offseason. Yeah, I think Game 4, he was their second-best player. He was, like you said, huge. He almost had a double-double in the fourth quarter alone. He played 134 minutes in this series. When he was on the court, the Heat outscored Milwaukee by 50 points. So mm. a super impactful player, playing really big minutes, averaged 11 points per game, right around five rebounds, shot 64% uh, from the field. So uh, phenomenal, uh, playing much better in these playoffs than he did last year when he wasn't playing quite as few minutes. All right, so some really um, interesting post-game thoughts uh, from Giannis. I want to play this entire uh, bite, and then Chris and I are going to talk about this. Uh, let's just go ahead and roll the tape. Oh, my God. 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 Oh, my
Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better. Not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and I, last year I wasn't in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. All right, Chris, a lot to unpack there. Uh, the question was, was this season a failure? And I appreciate Giannis having the mindset of, I, I think in a positive way, trying to say like, no, this is not a failure. This is just part of sports. And there is a little bit of a um, built-in excuse, I guess, for the Bucks because Giannis didn't play for a couple games. He had the back injury. Would that have changed the outcome against the Heat? Maybe, maybe not. I'll say this. When you're the number one seed and you have as good of a regular season as that and you play the number eight seed and you lose and you lose in a five-game series, four out of five, it's hard for me not to say that that was a failure. Now, uh, you know, do they have a good season? All this kind of things. To me, I kind of think it is a failure. And he used the example of Michael Jordan played 15 years. He only won six. Well, if Michael Jordan got knocked out in the first round as a number one seed, people would tell him it was that that Well, and season. Michael Jordan probably would have said it was a failure. And he would have said it's it was a, a failure. So, I, again, I appreciate the mentality yeah. of Giannis. If they go to the NBA title and you lose in, in seven games, season's not a failure, right? Yeah. You, you just kind of tip your cap. You lose as a one seed to an eight seed in, in four out of five games. Again, there is the built-in excuse of the back injury. But to me, I think it's hard not to feel like if you're a member of that organization – given what you had the opportunity as a number one seed, all those different things, to me, I kind of think it feels like a I mean, it's a, a wasted opportunity. That team was talented enough to win the NBA championship. I picked them to win the NBA championship, so they should have won this series. They should have made it to the finals. That being said, we do get so wrapped up now that if you don't win a ring, everything's right. a failure. Right. It's ring culture. It's all or nothing. You're yeah. all measured by rings. You're all measured mm -hmm. by LeBron won a championship, Giannis won a championship. No, this is a team sport. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think it is a fresh perspective for him to be able to have that perspective of, yeah, I'm giving everything in my life to this, but I got a family. I got other things going on. I'm mm -hmm. not going to call myself a failure yeah. because we were great for 82 games. 
games and we were bad for 10 days. So I think from his mental perspective and his mental health, I think it is very good for him to look I at appreciate it as a learning it, yeah. lesson. Yeah. So I think it was a great answer. I think it was a good question, even though Giannis wasn't thrilled with it. Yeah. I think it produced a really insightful response. And I think it showed you a little bit about how he approaches the game mm -hmm. and maybe how that does differ from a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant. If those guys don't win a championship, I'm sure they would have called it a failure. Yeah. But not every person, not every great player is cut from the same cloth. And I think Giannis just comes at it a little bit mm -hmm. differently. Yeah, interesting for sure, and uh, uh, we'll see what makes next. You know what the next step is going to be for them. And, and again, they did win a championship, uh, you know, a couple years ago, but a very disappointing exit uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, so we're going to switch gears when we come back to NSN Daily. Uh, time to head out to the ballpark. We're going to talk to the skipper of the Reno Aces, Blake Lolly, the team back in town throughout the rest of the week, taking on the Sugarland Space Cowboys. That coming up. All right, welcome back inside our Legends Bay Casino Lounge, powered by Circus Sports. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies go out to Greater Nevada Field now, and Blake Lolly joins us, Aces skipper. And uh, you guys are in the middle of a series right now against the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Uh, first off, Blake, sun's out, guns out, man. You guys got the short sleeves. I mean, it's got to be nice today out there. Yeah, this is perfect. I mean, uh, we definitely started the season. Uh, obviously, it's been cold here, but then going to uh, Tacoma outside of Seattle and Salt Lake, we haven't we haven't had uh, any warm games as of today, except for yesterday. So this is great. Obviously, the weather heating up, and you guys are heating up as well. Six and two in your last eight games, so a little bit of a slow start. I mean, uh, how have you guys improved your quality of play and started to rack up some wins of late? Um, you know, I, I just think early in the year. Uh, we had we had some struggles with our bullpen for sure, um, but not with with stuff. You know, I, I said at the beginning of the year there were we got some big stuff down there, and uh, we had a little trouble finding the zone the uh, first couple weeks of the season. And you know, we went to Salt Lake, and uh, those guys were incredible, throwing strikes and getting everyone out. And our offense is you know number one offense in the league. So if we we can hold guys down just a little bit, we're going to win a ton of games. Blake, I know you've kind of bounced uh, back and forth between managing and some other roles within the Diamondbacks organization. What are you enjoying the most about just getting back into the dugout and, and being an everyday manager again? Yeah, just uh, just being with the guys every day. Um, stuff like this, batting practice is going to start in a little bit, just laughing with the guys and, uh, you know, uh, working with them every day, seeing kind of their ups and downs on a day-to-day -day basis. And, uh you know, then when they, they get the call to go to Arizona and they make an impact up there, it's it, it's a really fun thing to be a part of. I'm sure every clubhouse is different, and it's different at the AAA level because you have guys coming in and out. But I guess what kind of personality have you seen this team kind of develop through the first month of the season? Uh, definitely. Um, they're a loose, uh, loose bunch of guys. They keep it loose. There's always laughter. They're, you know... I stay out of their clubhouse for the most part, but when I do walk through there, they're they got a putting green in there, and they're <laughs> <laughs> they're always uh, they're always cutting up or doing something, you know, playing cards. So uh, really, really uh, fun group of guys, um, and they come to work every day. I mean, they they, they work their tail off um, every day, all day. So uh, it, it, it's fun. Blake, I want to talk to you about uh, guys really been starring for you guys at the plate. Philip Evans, he's hitting 452 as the time we tape this today. He's really having a career season on Reno. I don't believe he's ever hit for a full season better than 280. Uh, at 30 years old, I mean, what do you feel like he is doing that is leading 
to this kind of success? Uh, why is he so locked in at the plate? I just see a guy that's really stubborn to his approach right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's easy when um, you're going good, I think, to, to get greedy and want more and maybe get a little big with your swing or start to chase some pitches because you feel like you can hit everything. And he's done the complete opposite. He's he's really stubborn to making uh, the opposing pitcher come into his his zone. And, and if it's not there, he, he's not swinging. And when they do come in, he's, he's making them pay. Um, just – he hasn't tried to do too much at all, and he's just being simple, and uh, it's been really impressive. So he's been starring in the batter's box and obviously up on the bump. Brandon Fott had another strong start uh, yesterday. He's got a guy, uh, an ERA under four, which in the Pacific Coast League, and specifically in that park, is Sterling. I guess, you know, it seems like he's kind of on the brink of getting that call up, has not made his major league debut yet, but I guess what have you seen from him this season after he got his first taste of AAA last year with the Aces? Uh, just, you know, everything that anyone's ever heard about him. He's a workhorse. He's an ace. Um, he's, he's got really, really good stuff. And, and, and I don't know if I've seen too many guys just stay on the attack like he does. I mean, he never, he never comes off the attack. He's just attacking the zone. He's, he's trusting his stuff. And he, he seriously gives us a chance to win every single time he steps on the mound. Blake, tonight uh, you guys are going to continue with the the Space Cowboys, uh, which were formerly the Skeeters. Now, you've been around minor league baseball for a long time. You've seen a ton of different teams. Do you have maybe one or two favorite team names? There's a lot of fun ones out in minor league baseball. I know we like to kind of play this sometimes. Do you have like a crazy favorite of, of just a weird one that sticks out to you? Oh, man. I mean, there's there are some uh... – there are some different ones for sure. I, I don't know if any of them really stick out to me. I mean, um, you know, sometimes I remember in Double uh, A, you had like the biscuits, and their hat was like a biscuit <laughs> with butter on it and stuff. I mean, more more just kind of funny funny stuff. I want to go back to that putting green in the players' yeah, locker room. Do you, you step up to that thing. Uh, how's your golf game and your putting stroke right now? You know what I, I did one time in there, and, and I'm left-handed, and they actually had a they had a right-handed they had a right-handed wedge in there, and I chipped it, and it went in. And I walked out. I'll never take another <laughs> shot in there. I love it. Uh, well, Blake, maybe we'll have to get yeah. you out. On the, uh, we'll have yeah, to get that, you out on the golf. Uh, we got to get you out and play some real golf soon. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Well, good, good luck the rest of the series. Good catching up with you, and uh, enjoy the amazing weather out there. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, we'll talk next time. All right. Again, that's Aces manager Blake Lolly. If you want to get more information about uh, Aces tickets, the rest of their schedule, you can head online to renoaces.com. We'll have more of NSN Daily coming up just after a quick break. Back here on NSN Daily, last season, two of Nevada football's best players were safeties, Bentley Sanders and Tyson Williams, whose departures have now left a huge hole to fill on the defense. Enter Trey Weed, Nevada Sports Sense. Mike Stephenson introduced us to the six-year transfer. Reno is growing on Trey Weed. I'm loving the vibe here in Nevada. Uh, it's a great place. Got a great apartment. I'm, I'm loving the area, loving the guys, the team. For the first time in his life, the Sumner, Washington native taking his talents out of the Evergreen State, trading Eastern Washington Eagle Red for Wolfpack Silver and Blue in his final season. 
It was a great five years uh, playing on the red. I made some great memories. I had some, had some plays made there, games won. And it's picked off. Trey Weed's got it. Coach Wilson is building just a special culture here. They really care about you as a person and as a player and just your development. That's why I came here and it just felt like a home. And Weed is making himself at home, expecting to be a staple in Nevada's secondary come the fall. I've played a lot of ball, seen a lot of great players, so I mean, going into my last season, I want to do everything I can to help this team win. Just bring that experience, that maturity to the room, and uh, just be a guy for them. Having reached a national title game with Eastern, the six foot, 190 pound defensive back plans to win with the Wolfpack, too. Proclaiming last season's 2-10 and 10 record will not be repeated. The talent that we have on this team, the leadership that we have on this team, seeing the work that we've put in, there's no way that these guys will let that season happen again. You got to enjoy the process every single day. You got to take it day by day. Just enjoy it and just, you know, put your head down and grind. Continue to have that bond and on and off the field, and it'll carry over when you play in the games. And, of course, the most important question. Any more red in the closet? Uh, no, I couldn't bring any of the red here. I, I gave it all to my, my brother and my parents. I got to keep it all blue and yep. Music to Wolfpack fans' ears. Mike Stephenson, Nevada Sportsnet. All right, thanks, Mike, for that. Uh, and you were uh, giving Trey Weed a little comparison during that piece. What do you think of, a little kid and play. A little kid and play. <laughs> but I think he's going to play a big part for Nevada, probably nickel cornerback. I think Nevada's cornerbacks are very strong on the outside. Jaden Dedman and Isaiah Sesama both started last year, so that could be a really good uh, position of strength, and I'm sure he doesn't know who kid and play is. What percentage uh, <laughs> of players on the Wolfpack know who kid and play is? Probably not Zero. very high. Probably uh, maybe the coaching staff. I'd have to go there for them to understand that reference. All right, if you want more features uh, from this year's spring camp, you got tons of them online at NevadaSportsNet.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little hockey. Jess Peterson from the Reno Ice Raiders stopping by the studio, talking about the conclusion of their season as they will wrap things up this weekend against the Sin City Kings. Welcome back to NSN Daily from inside our champion Chevrolet studio. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, and Jess Peterson from the Hi. Reno Ice Raiders joining us in studio, general manager. And uh, you guys are putting a bow on your season this weekend. And what an amazing uh, success you guys have been down at the Reno Ice Raiders, selling out uh, both of your games again this weekend. And you're going to wrap things up against the Sin City Kings. Yeah, I mean, the success of the team and by extension, the rank has been unbelievable this year. With these two games uh, selling out, we've officially sold out two full seasons now of all of our home games. Wow. Um, we're even developing a little bit of a booster club for our away games, so we've been having fans even travel with us a little bit, which has been pretty wild. Um, but yeah, the success of the rank and the team has been unbelievable. You got to go back to the late 1990s, last time there was pro hockey in Reno. So mm -hmm. I know fans yeah. had been waiting for a long time. I guess what's been the reaction the last couple of years just from hockey fans being able to watch you guys go out there and play? I think it's been, we always knew it was there, but we didn't have an avenue, right? The rink wasn't up and running yet. So the, the reception we've gotten and even with the old, uh, the old the teams we had back in the 90s with the Rage and the Renegades, and we have had throwbacks nights with the Renegades, um, you know, we're, we're even a step below that, but the, the fan feedback and everything has just been a blast. Um, super positive, very little complaining, which is in any endeavor odd. <laughs> <laughs> how much has this uh, last couple of years with your team and, and with the Reno Ice Arena, how much has it shown that there is kind of a huge appetite and demand for hockey, for pro hockey, in this community? I mean, it, once again, we always knew it was there, but I don't think we knew to the degree of which it was there. I mean, if you if you go talk to the head honchos down at uh, the Reno Ice Center, 
the kids program is expanding by one 200 percent per year wow. and it's only been open a couple years they're already talking and actively working on a second sheet because we don't have enough ice um time you know booking ice doing all those things is the rink's basically running 24 7 at this mm. point as somebody who grew up playing hockey guys what do you does it mean to you i know you're not a representative reno ice mm -hmm. but just that opportunity for kids to play and then maybe go and watch your guys's games after that and kind of envision maybe a future playing hockey whereas five six years ago that probably wasn't the case because there wasn't that avenue unless you wanted to go up to tahoe every day i think it's huge because i mean i've, I've got an 18 month old and so obviously he's not ready to be on skates i mean <laughs> not but, yet yeah but, but, <laughs> i'm, three, I'm three thinking, years old on, i'm on thinking skates? by the end of the year man i can really? get him on skates oh yeah get, get him on by about two hey he can walk like, as soon as but, he can walk put him on skates right yeah but i, I mean that. i i don't think anybody should ever uh, undermine what parents are willing to put their kids into and expose them to um, you know and you've got you know we've got lacrosse now we've got soccer now you've got a winter sport of hockey on top of skiing I mean it's it just kind of rounds out the whole experience that parents by and large want to give their kids um, so I just think it once again I the demands always been there I just think we massively we we just didn't get how big it was gonna end up being Talk about this uh, for you personally. I mean, I imagine this is such a, a labor of love because you're the general manager, which means you're responsible for pretty much everything, right? I mean, from tickets to if there's something that goes wrong in, inside uh, parts of the, the facility. But, you know, you do have a day job, too. You work for Peterson Wealth <laughs> yeah. Management. You guys have a family uh, business here. So how do you kind of balance the needs of what the demands are of, you know, this position as a GM of this hockey team with also having, uh, you know, a life, obviously, in a business outside of that? Um, I don't balance it. <laughs> I have a very forgiving wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's just a lot about time management. Um, you know, one kind of serves the other a little bit. Um, we do a lot of, th we do a lot of things with the community, with the wealth management business and now with the hockey team. So they kind of intermingle a lot when I'm talking to business owners, stuff like that. But in terms of making, you know, making time for everything, having a young song, all that stuff, um, it's also a team effort too. I'm not the only guy involved. I've probably got seven or eight other key guys on the team and other owners that take a multitude of tasks basically away from me. And that's, I guess, what my point is like, there's a lot of people that are pouring in their time, energy, effort, and, and taking time away from your business, your families in order, you know, to kind of bring this to the community and, and, to, and to folks. Oh, I mean, 100%. It's, you know, it, it is truly a team effort. The, it's turned into such a big thing that I don't think one person at this point could actually run it. Um, so like I said, it's probably up to about 10, probably almost a dozen people, including people at the rink that don't have a say, ha, don't have a say in the day-to-day -day running of the team who are massively supportive of the team. Um, so it's just, it's all around it, just a good partnership. Tell us a little bit about the players. Obviously, that's not their full-time job. They have jobs as well, and this may be an outlet to chase their passion of playing hockey. That's basically it. I mean, these guys all have day jobs. We got lawyers, we got uh, dock workers, we got bricklayers, we got financial advisors on the team. I mean, we've got a, a multitude of, of different professions and backgrounds on the team. The one thing that they all have in common is they've all played high-level hockey somewhere. They don't quite want to give up the dream necessarily when it comes to work, you know, checking fans, fighting, all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is what they do on the weekends. <laughs> for, for someone who's never been to an Ice Raiders game, and unfortunately, as you said, I mean, tickets are sold out now, so they'll have to wait uh, until next year. And you guys do put on some different kind of charity events and that kind of stuff. I mean, what is, like, the experience of that 
kind of intimate, small, live hockey, because I think if you haven't seen that, it is pretty special and it's very different maybe compared to some other, uh, you know, minor league sporting events, whatever you want to call it. There is a kind of a different special experience, I think, of uh, the kind of the intimate hockey experience. I always, I've always kind of maintained that that's the biggest thing, right? Like the rink, you know, can hold anywhere from five to 600 fans and everyone, you know, comes up to you and says, well, the rink's not big enough. You got to add more seeing. And I always kind of sit there. I'm like, do I really? Like getting to sit right on the glass and just watching, like watching somebody get crushed on the boards, um, you know, being right face to face with the play. I don't think there, I don't think you can beat it anywhere. The only other experience that I've come close is you and our basketball games on the wood. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, uh, when you look at the future of the Reno Ice Raiders, it's been a successful couple mm -hmm. of years to start, but I guess what do you envision or what would you like to see over the next couple of years as you try and grow this brand and, and get more opportunity for your club? I think the biggest thing is just to continue to build. I want more hockey players here um, and not just Ice Raider players. I want kids to get involved. I want the kid that's 14, 15 right now, I want him to go play college hockey. I want the rink to nurture those players. And then I want that kid when he has to come back home from school or whatever, maybe getting done playing, you know, pro, whatever, you know, hey, I'll play a season or two for the Ice Raiders. Um, there's some historic senior A programs throughout the country that have been doing this for 50, 60 years. Um, I want our program to be on that level. How much do you think your franchise and, and folks coming to the Reno Ice Arena has shown uh, that maybe there would be an appetite for hockey on even a larger scale? in this community, whether it's ECHL team, AHL, those are the, the kind of minor leagues of the NHL, for those who aren't familiar with those leagues. I mean, do you think that this community, this market is kind of ripe and ready for the return of, of one of those types of leagues into this area? I, I don't see how you could argue against it. I mean, the Reno Aces have done a very good job with the baseball. I, th I think if you, you, you need a program that's gonna go all in or it, it can't be half, mm -hmm. but I think with what you've seen with the Ice Raiders and by extension with the rink and the demand, that I think it'd be a no-brainer. The biggest deal is you'd have to build a full-fledged facility that would be dedicated to that team. It would have to be a Reno Aces mm -hmm. stadium. It, it couldn't be something that you know is a knockoff where you're taking, you know, you, you couldn't kind of do the square peg into the, into the round hole type sure, of situation. Sure. So somebody would have to come in with some dough and basically add to that infrastructure of uh, hockey in the area. And do you think even if someone did do that, let's say somebody built a hockey arena downtown or anywhere mm -hmm. in Reno, do you still see where the, the Ice Raiders and what you guys have done at Reno Ice and with you guys that you could continue to be kind of like a complement to that scenario? Yeah, I mean, other, you know, there's, you know, it'd be competition for sure, but I don't think it'd be, I don't think anybody would be crying for us and I'd, I wouldn't mind it. I'd go to the games, right? Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, I do think it'd be complimentary. Like with our fan bases, with our social following, I don't, I don't anticipate losing those people. Um, you know, our players are, are accessible, sign autographs, you know, hang, you know, they do private skates with people, all kinds of stuff. So I think that's something that we'd have over mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more of a professional team sure. where the players are, and it's by design, you know, maintain a few degrees of separation right. where our guys don't have to do it's that. It's different, you know, yeah. there's kind of that special nature of the fact that these are kind of just your right. regular Joes that happen to be really good at hockey, too. Yeah, and, you know, the guy that's laying brick on Monday gets to sign autographs <laughs> Saturday night and gets to go to the bar afterwards and have some fun. Like, you can't really beat that. So your brother, Jess, he's the captain of the team, yeah? A Andrew. Andrew. Uh, oh, you are Jess, of yeah. course, uh, you're, uh, who we've had on the show before. Mm -hmm. I guess, where did your guys' passion for hockey come from? And I guess when you're out there on skates, how would you sum up your game? So our family came, uh, came to Nevada by way of Minnesota. So mm -hmm. that's where it started. Dad's from Duluth, mom's from Brainerd. Uh, Minnesota. Andrew played, Andrew basically left school freshman year of high school, or I mean left Reno freshman year of high school and went played Canadian juniors, uh, 
juniors in Minnesota, played D3 Minnesota College, played some pro overseas. Um, but it's the Minnesota roots that gives our family kind of the hockey background. My game on terms of being on the ice can be summed up as I'm hoping my wife doesn't come to too many games because she'll wonder why I spend so much time at this sucking at it. Uh, that's a lot of our golf games, but I guess that applies to your hockey game. Oh, I, I, I play golf too, man, and D Duncan Golf Management's one of our sponsors, and it's the same thing. You spend a lot of money on something you suck at. Yeah, know. you know what, though? I get it. I get that it. one shot that brings you back, right? I know. Like, so maybe when you're skating, like that one time, oh. you know, you, you connect or you get somebody right into the glass, you're like, yeah, this is why I come back, right? There's There's a lot to be said for that. There's yeah. a lot of simple... Like you dangle somebody, you put something top shelf on the net, and you're like, Dang. "Okay, I got this, man!" Like I'm going, I'm, I'm going to the big league. Like let's like, and yeah, you're you're right back in it. And then, you know, two shifts later, you toe pick and you fall into the boards, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we got that on camera." Jess, good to see you, man. Thanks for coming to the studio. Thanks for all you guys are doing uh, for the community. And uh, again, unfortunately, no tickets for this weekend, but uh, keep your eyes peeled for more from the Reno Ice Raiders as they continue to grow down in South Reno. All right, coming up next, we're going to uh, stick here at the desk. Chris and I are going to go through a little weekly wagers, uh, some talk picks when it comes to the NBA, the NHL, and more when we come back. All right, Chris, let's get into a little weekly wagers, uh, making some bets out there. You got the Celtics at the Hawks tonight, game six, uh, depending on when you're watching our show. Uh, if it's our later version, sorry. If it's an earlier version, we still got you covered. Uh, Hawks are getting plus seven. You like the points for the Hawks at home, or you like the Celtics to cover that? I mean, I'll go with Big the Celtics. Line. I thought this uh, series would already be over. The yeah. Celtics had a chance of closing it out. They were up 3-1 at home. Trey uh, Young hit a long three-pointer to force this game six. I feel like the Celtics have been kind of like the cat toying with its food for a while, and I think it just kills the mouse, and it wins this one by double digits. Double digits. I'm with you, too. I think the Celtics are just going to roll. Uh, yeah. I think it's... Uh, Seven is a little uncomfortable for me, but I think in this case, I will, uh, I will go with the Cs. All right, let's go uh, a little NHL. Uh, Jets at the Golden Knights down in Vegas. Over under the line, Chris, is set at five yeah. and a half goals. What do you like uh, there? Our last guest, Jess, told us to take the over, so we're going to go over. I'm going to trust Jess. I don't yeah. even know if he knew that we were discussing this, but he just said I don't think he did, too. He over. was like, yeah, we're going to take the over on but the But, yeah, Knights. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. All of the games in this series thus far have gone over. Yeah. The Knights have been really doing a good job of uh, scoring. Uh, the first game, Winnipeg put up five goals. So these are two defensive-oriented teams, but – Five straight overs, do you say they're due for an under? Do you say, okay, maybe the, the line's just a little bit low and this is a more offensive series? I will take the over on this one. I feel like a year ago you had such a strong pulse on the <laughs> NHL, like some of these lines. No, uh, yeah. do you, how, how confident, what's your confidence level this year compared to last year? Yeah, I, I didn't really bet much this year <laughs> in, in hockey. So um, You, you know, were on a roll last year though, I was. with that Panthers bet. Yeah, like I said, I, I hit my $1,000 and I pulled it all out That's and I haven't good. gone back since then. But That uh, takes good, that takes uh, <laughs> some, some discipline. Yeah. I know, I've wanted to get back in. I probably <laughs> will. I'll go get that uh, Circa app when we're out there. Yeah. It is fun. And, it is fun. You know, it's enjoyable. It's but, good, uh, you know, it's like, even just throwing ten bucks on a game is a good time. It just yeah. It just makes it worth. It just gives you a little extra something. Yeah. You so know? put the ten bucks on the over. Ten bucks on the over. All right. So let's go back to the NBA. Uh, these are some tomorrow night games. As of right now, these are the lines. Uh, you have the Lakers at home. They're laying four and a half uh, against the Grizzlies. I think I like the Lakers to cover here. Four and a half points against the Grizzlies. How are you feeling? I'd probably take the Grizzlies. I think the Lakers win the game, but um, you like the value of getting yeah. some points. I mean, I. I 
they're, they're very similar teams. So usually you get three points for home court advantage. So they're saying the Lakers may be a point and a half better. Uh, this is kind of like a game seven for the Lakers. They certainly don't want to go back to Memphis and have to play in an elimination game. So I do think the Lakers win. Um, but I do think the Grizzlies will keep it within four and a half. All right. One thing I, I actually like on uh, the Circus Sports app, Chris, is, and you can do this with some other betting um, applications too, but you can bet in-game. Yes. So last night I was watching Warriors-Kings, and I got the Kings plus six and a half at one point on a live line. Of course, they lose by seven. And I was so mad because at the end of that game. It was like a three-point, two-point game. Yeah, well, like and it was it was the go. Warriors are up by six, and the Kings foul the Curry uh, with like six seconds left. Yeah. And I'm like, are you really going <laughs> to do something here? So they put Steph at the line. He hits one of the free throws, and I – and I lose my, uh, my by a half point. That's the tough part with, with the lines. I know. Yeah. Um, but I did could... have a good hit this weekend. Sunday I did, a, I was just hanging out and I got a second half. I had a Kings plus seven and an over of like 116 and a half. And if you remember that game, Deer and Fox hit that three at the end. And, that and I was like, you know, big time. I parlayed <laughs> it too. So it was like a big, nice. you know, my big $20 bet. You know, I'm like, I get all excited on like my $20 uh, return, but you know it is fun. It's fun to get out there and do it. So that segues me into this last one tomorrow night. You get the Warriors at home minus seven uh, against the Kings. Um, I, I still like the value of getting points with the Kings here. I know the Warriors have really been get hum, been humming here the last couple of games. Seven points for me. Uh, even with the Warriors at home, feels like a lot. So I'll go Kings plus seven. Yeah, I'll go with the Warriors on this one. Um, I, I've liked the Kings all season. I just feel like uh, they're running out of steam game, here. I think it was the dagger. Yeah. I think the Warriors had struggled to win on the road all season. Mm-hmm. The Kings took care of home court advantage in the first two. They very much could have won yesterday's game. I think at this point, the series is kind of over. We'll see. I mean, the Kings are a very good sure. offensive team, and that is a pretty large spread, seven points. But I think Golden State just finishes the job. They win by more than seven. Maybe it's another late Steph Curry hmm. free throw with a couple seconds left to put them <laughs> over that line. But uh, I'll take Golden State on that. Bet. All right. Some, should be some good uh, bets out there, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing some of the results uh, of this. All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll wrap up the show. How about Joshua Zamora, the former Wolfpack baseball star? He's getting into some of his first minor league action. We'll show you a big moment for Zamora as we wrap things up. All right, Chris, as we wrap up the show, I wanted to show you a little home run from Joshua Zamora playing uh, for the Beloit Sky Carp. We were talking about minor league names. Well, Zamora enjoying his time right now with the high class A Miami Marlins and uh, nice little blast there from Zamora. Certainly a sight we got used to seeing over at Don Weir Fields. Yeah, four-time all-conference player in Nevada can certainly hit. Wasn't drafted, but was able to sign an undrafted free agent deal with Miami. And now working in affiliated ball, he's one of a number of former Wolfpack players in the minors. You got Trenton Brooks at the AAA level, Ryan Anderson, former Spanish Springs High uh, alum who's pitching for the Yankees organization. Got Grant Ford and Owen Schartz in the Pirates, and then Dylan Shrum with the Royals. So really great to see him getting a chance. And, you know, we know he can hit. We'll see if he can work his way up. Uh, maybe get up to a double-A or a triple-A if he has a strong season uh, in single-A. By the way, um, so Beloit, it used to be the Beloit Snappers, like okay. little snapper yeah. turtles. They used to be affiliated uh, with the Minnesota Twins. So now I, I used to work in minor league baseball in Florida. They were uh, part of our system. So the Sky Carp is a newer name. I didn't Carps know don't fly, do they? Uh, I think well, Carp is like a fish. fish. Yeah, it's oh, a they fish. flying fish? No, I don't think they are. That's why uh, it's a little yeah. bit weird. Uh, I mean, there's carp like <laughs> in my pond like behind my house. With the Margulies Carp. The Carp. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs>